Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Red Nets podcast. Uh, joining me today, we've got Paul Steve Carson and the Copites, Mick Moran. Welcome, lads. Mick, it's a pleasure to have you back on board again. Um, and we're just going to be diving straight into um, that Shrewsbury game. Um, I mean, lads, what, what, Steve, what, what, what's your opinion sort of on the game there? Because sort of it felt like that goal, that first opening goal from Daniel Udeau, um, to give the Salops uh, the 1 0 lead, sort of injected some life uh, into the game. And I think ultimately it sort of benefited us. Yeah, I mean, you come to expect these things in the domestic cups, don't you? You know, you, you have these, you know, with all due respect, the smaller teams go to the big teams and they put up a fight. And, you know, you love to see it, kind of. Um, but, yeah, when that first goal went in, I wasn't, like, in the past, there's been times where we've conceded early on and I thought to myself, you know, oh, Christ, there we go. Um, but I, I wasn't really too bothered. I kind of thought we had a handle on it, you know, even with the team that we had out, you know, obviously we've been hampered by a few injuries and obviously Clark likes to mix, mix things up in the cups and stuff like that. So I was never particularly worried. Um, I think it was, it was great. It, they were, they, um, they made a good, a good account of themselves, the, um, the Shrewsbury team. I think they've done quite well, um, put up a good fight against Liverpool and ultimately we got the job done. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think it was ever in doubt and it was just a solid performance from a bit of a ragtag Liverpool team. I was I was happy enough with it. Yeah, no, I think Liverpool obviously responded quite quickly, didn't they, Mick, uh, to uh, Cade Gordon. It was, it was quite a lovely goal, actually. There were a few sort of comparisons um, I saw online to uh, Torres, which is certainly a, a great deal of praise for the young lad and something he'll appreciate at the age of 17. You know, we're not going to jump to any conclusions in terms of whether he'll be able to match that sort of potential and ability, but, you know, it was absolutely lovely bit of control, great finish, um, and just exactly the response that Jürgen Klopp's men needed. Yeah, I think the, the biggest compliment you can pay him, really, is that he made it look easy. And like you said, 17 years old, it's it's hard not to build them up a little bit in your in your in your mind's like thinking oh he's, he could be the next big thing but obviously you need a bit of bit of realism that anything can go go wrong really so um, in terms of development with players and I, but I think like like you said Torres-esque that finish the way he took that touch kind of feigned to, to hit it and then kind of hit it to the to the goalies goalies right and the, the way he planted the bottom corner was just was lovely and, and the fact that we did it quite soon after the goal as well I think it was like what it must have been just over five minutes wasn't it after they scored after us kind of having the ball for half an hour and doing pretty much nothing with it apart from just passing it around even though that then they had a flat back 10 but they deserved the goal because it was it was a decent goal but then the fact that we got that goal pretty much straight away that was kind of like right that's kicking to the area now but and the fact that it was Kate Gordon that kind of was the the scorer of that was kind of um, insightful to how how good he how good he is really and how good he can be because it's yeah he can be he can be amazing in the next couple of years hopefully. No, certainly um, it's interesting you sort of mention the next uh, couple of years and and we'll be getting to that sort of later down in, in this episode of the podcast. Um, but in terms of sort of the future, it does look bright from a number of areas of the pitch. Um, you know, so far we've got Gordon Elliott sort of close to a return. Um, but certainly going back to the game, and we had a rare double uh, for Fabinho, um, either side of Firmino's sort of cheeky back heel uh, goal. Uh, it, I mean, Steve, it does sort of demonstrate perhaps, you know, given that we are sort of over-focused over sort of on the absence of Mo Salah uh, and Sadio Mane, that um, whilst their losses that will be sort of keenly felt throughout this January period, potentially for the whole of the January period, um, our backup options are, are far from inexperienced. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's no surprise to anyone. It's not news to anybody that uh, Liverpool have got a very good squad. You know, it's it's never down to the individuals. Obviously, you can look at Mohamed Salah, who many believe, including me, is the best player in the world right now. And obviously, that's a detrimental loss. But he's representing this country. You know, fair enough. You know, go go and do it. Go and smash it. But um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool have got a very very good squad. You know, we we forget this sometimes. We take certain players um, for granted. I feel. You know, I said I think some fans will uh, take Roberto Firmino for granted a lot of the time. You know, and I think that's got a lot to do with how good Jot has been since he came in. I think a lot of people forget just how good Firmino is. Sometimes it's it's not a case of picking a rigid front three. We have you know that's a world class four world class forwards. Not to mention you know Minamino and Origi on their day also very good players. Uh, Taki certainly shown this season, and Origi you could never say that he's not going to do anything because he could have an absolutely awful game. And the last minute, he scores an overhead kick for for no reason. You know what I mean? It's the kind of player that he is. And, you know, Liverpool are going to feel it. But, you know, with the players coming back, you know, there's there's a a slither of a chance we could see Harvey Elliott before time. But, you know, these players come into the fold, even the younger players as well. Um, Players like Tyler Morton as well, who will have a little bit more depth in midfield. You know, we've been missing Naby Keita as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried um, and thankfully you know we're not like facing off against like Manchester City at the Etihad we haven't got like a Champions League semi-final or anything you know coming up it's it's fairly rudimentary games that we should be able to get through um, and you know it's, it's just one of them it's you've got these players they represent the countries the tournaments are held whenever they're held it's just facts of life we've just got to get on with it No absolutely I mean certainly coming off um in terms of our fixtures here in January, um, with all due respect, certainly for the opposition that we will be facing this month and certainly to the uh, two legs of our semi-final Carabao Cup meeting with Arsenal, um, we, of course, face Brentford and Crystal Palace in the league, which, you know, as Steve rightly pointed out, Mick, you know, it's not sort of a, a Manchester City, Chelsea sort of class of opposition, though, you know, Jürgen Klopp will certainly be keen to to remind the players and fans to take them seriously. It's still Premier League opposition. Um, but just the kind of performance you sort of saw you know against Shrewsbury um particularly from some of the youngsters on author you know does this sort of fill you with confidence about this January period yeah I think so I think like we touched on Kate Gordon there's Connor Bradley who I thought was also looked really good as well and I mean they're at that age where like you said we want to we've got high hopes for them but we can't really place too much hope on them to kind of save us from any like um, disastrous situations that wouldn't be right and I'm, I'm sure Jürgen wouldn't wouldn't expect the same either but like I said like Steve said the, the games that we've got there um, I think tonight we'll, well that'll be the first time on it tonight that we'll see a team without them so that'll kind of be after this game tonight we'll see this will be a barometer to kind of see where we're at in terms of how we're going to navigate these fixtures but yeah I just echo what Steve said like the, the game is that Brentford at home, obviously the the away game was absolutely mental and I'm hoping it's going to be a bit more normal in terms of a, a, maybe a, m- a more routine win, hopefully. But we've got enough players there, like, like Steve said again, like Jota's quality. We've got Firmino there who's been in and out. He's not been maybe at top form, but like people do forget how good he is. Like the back heel goal was just typical Bobby and, and he can do that any given moment. We've got Origi there, we've got Minamino. There's players there who can come in, Harvey Elliott, 
maybe the next couple of weeks he'll come back in. We know how good he is. Like he's ridiculous how good how good he is. And he can he could slot in at the the right of a three if need be. And that's the thing that these are all these players have got a lot of versatility in there. And I think that's obviously Klopp likes to have that. So the fact that we've got quite a lot of players who are really good at playing football, but they're also good in terms of fitting into um gaps that are needed. That's that's the main thing. And I think that's why Hopefully after tonight, nice, a nice, nice little Christie win tonight, and then we'll we'll go from there and see what see what the rest of it brings. Absolutely, absolutely. And sort of going back to uh, player player availability in general, which you touched on so far. Um, there was an incident sort of earlier on, following from uh, Jurgen Klopp's update on the status of his squad regarding um, the COVID breakout, and of course the false positive story that emerged of late. Um, a number of allegations were thrown the club's way online in terms of. Uh, an attempt, uh, so-called attempt to game the system in a bit to postpone the game, and as some have claimed, um, encourage, you know, give us a chance of having the likes of sort of Mane and, and Salah available, sort of for the the latter end of the the tie. Um, I mean, obviously, does there's a more than a hint of conspiracy theory uh, about such you know, allegations, and obviously, as Klopp has pointed out in recent press, you know, the, the way these these tests are done, and they are in batches. You know the, the tests initially that they got they received these positive results and obviously had to take precautions as as per the league rules. Um, I mean, but Steve, what what have you sort of made um, about the reaction to this? Because obviously, Mikel Arteta sort of come out recently and has questioned whether the tie at all will, will go ahead um, because of the current climate. <sighs> Yeah, I mean the COVID situation is obviously it's been delicate for a you know a couple of years now, and you know it's it's not even getting to a point really where it's, we can sort of predict things. I mean, you know this this does show it. Like at the end of the day, it's a major tournament in the country, and the game got postponed. And you know, obviously the allegations of some kind of weird conspiracy theory uh, going on at Liverpool is. I mean, it's, it's just disrespectful to be honest, because. It, it's just not happening, not at this level. You're not, you're not going to be seeing. I think it's here at the low levels, of course. I'm not suggesting that, like, but it's, it's these things just aren't happening. Like Klopp said, very basically in a recent press conference, um, he came out and said, "Listen, we did the tests. They all came back as positive." So we said, "Right, okay, these players have tested positive. Then we'll do another test in a few days." And oh, now these players have came back negative. Turns out they were, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a the numbers obviously higher than you'd expect. But, you know, at the end of the day, these these things happen. You know, I'm sure we all know somebody who's took a COVID test and then the next day they've took another COVID test and they've said wildly different things. These things can happen. And obviously these players, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'm not a medical professional myself. Um, but, like, we're, we're talking about athletes, some of the best athletes in the world. So they might react a little bit differently to these things. I'm not entirely sure, you know. But, again, I think it's quite disrespectful, to be honest, especially with what Jurgen Klopp has gone through with, you know, with the fact that, you know, Alison Becker, the idea that he's kind of involved with this kind of thing and he's involved with the World Health Organization and stuff like that. It's just daft. And obviously, you know, we're at a position now, you mentioned it there, where Mikel Arteta has came out and thrown a bit of doubt on the game, the game maybe going ahead, which now looks like it is actually going to go ahead. But he mentioned it. It can happen to any club. And it's just, there's too much online of just Liverpool bad. It's not just Liverpool that it happens to. 
you see it with Manchester United as well, that just automatically they're the devil's club and stuff like that. And people just get a little bit too, you know, weird about it, a little bit too territorial, a little bit too tribal. It's just one of them things that happens. You know, opposition fans are always going to complain. I'm sure some of our fans online have complained about certain postponements and stuff. You're going to get it. There's vocal fans in every fan base. And these people are a little bit hypocritical if they've obviously turned around. But this is what's happening right now. It's it's very strange times. In two years down the line, we still don't really know what we're doing. We're trying to keep people safe. And that's the bottom of it. There's no conspiracy. It's all about just keeping people safe. But this is the point exactly. I mean, you, you've touched on it. You've hit the nail on the head right there. You know, it can happen to any club. It has happened to many clubs in the league season so far. I mean, Liverpool have had their own sort of mini crises uh, thus far. You know, ha- happened prior to the two-all draw at Stamford Bridge, happened prior um, to our visit to, of Tottenham. Um, again, you know, only a sort of a handful of cases, but, you know, key players being ruled out. Um, thankfully, in this case, you know, it, it it's not as severe as was first feared. I mean, Evidently, the discussion of um, so the tests that sort have of been carried out at a uh, independent lab um, have, haven't helped Liverpool certainly as far as these allegations being thrown around on, on social media, which is, you know, as, as everyone knows, at the best of times, uh, reactive. Um, but I mean, I mean, it's just a bit bonkers, isn't it, Mick? You, you, you would have thought that you know by now, like as, as Steve sort of rightly pointed out, you know, we're, we're in the English top flight here. There's there's no chance that. Liverpool are going to be capable of gaming the system. This is so finely regulated by you know this point. Yeah, I think it's just unfortunate as well. It's kind of, I mean, for, unfortunate for the circumstances for rival clubs looking at it, that it's happened when AFCON's happening. So that kind of makes it look a lot bigger than it actually is. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans, I was just reading the other day on Twitter, like saying, oh, it's only, they're only doing it because it's AFCON and then they haven't got Salah Romane and whatever else. And it's like, well... You can't just do that. It's obviously, like you said, it's regulated. You've got a certain rules, protocols you need to abide by. And like you said, you can test one day positive, you can test the next day uh, neg- uh, negative. And, that, and that's what Klopp was kind of getting at when he got asked the question in the press. I think he was kind of saying a positive test, a positive test. It, you can't really you can't really fake that. You've just got to provide the, the evidence that you've got at that given time. And then up until the point you do another test and that, that's, that's the bottom line really. So it's a bit crazy, but like you said, we had a game against Leeds on Boxing Day that got postponed. I wasn't bothered. I don't find most of the people that I follow on Twitter, it was kind of like, well, that's the protocol that that's how it is. Like I was disappointed we didn't have a Boxing Day game. But if they haven't got enough players to fulfil the fixture, then we just go, right, let's do it whenever we can. And if that's the kind of outlook you need to have, like like Steve said, it's it's temperamental. We're still trying to get figured this thing out here. It's two years down the line. So we just need to kind of roll with the punches, so to speak, and and, and just see what happens. But it's going to it's gonna keep happening up until a point where this variant and, and, and COVID go away. And we, obviously we don't know when that's going to be, if ever. So... It's a kind of a case of all clubs need to kind of um, are, are abiding by the rules and those rules are there for a reason to make sure that the integrity of the game stays there as well. Because obviously if you're losing too many players that, and you can't fulfil a fixture like Arsenal wanted maybe last week where we, we, they wanted us to throw out a team of youth players just so they could get an easy an easy game in the first leg. It's, it's, do you want that though? I wouldn't want an Arsenal team to be absolutely obliterated and then they go, well, we'll play it anyway. And then we go and hammer a, a youthful team 7-0 and the second leg's basically a friendly game. Uh, no one wants that. So that's the thing. You want the integrity of the game to remain there as well. Well, it's the thing. We had, we had the situation um, sort of last term that 
the I mean, the situation that's often cited is the FA Cup game, um, Aston Villa, in which you know uh, Dean, then Dean Smith side with thoughts to field uh, an amalgamation of under 23s and under 18s, and you know no. No Liverpool fan wanted that situation. Would have much rather have played their senior side had it been available. Unfortunately, this was you know these are the rules of the FA that they differ to. Obviously, the the EFL and the Premier League's rules, and um, that that was the situation it is. And then it was sort of turned around and made sort of gone. Well, you know, you got away with this last time. Like it was our decision um, that Aston Villa should be forced to play their youth side. It, it's I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, but uh, it, it it is. It is what it is. I mean, ultimately, Mick, you know, as you rightly pointed out, it, it is, you know, it's 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 a sign of the times, you know, isn't it? it it's, we're in the middle of winter. Cases are generally sort of skyrocketing and we hardly have, um, we hardly have the, the most sort of adept governance at the minute to sort of effectively handle the crisis. Uh, but that's another matter uh, for another entirely different podcast. Um, for now, just sort of before we get right into grips with the, the upcoming sort of Arsenal game, um, I just wanted to have a look briefly in terms of who we've got sort of coming back into the side. And obviously, you know, Curtis Jones played the full 90 minutes against Shrewsbury Town and actually did quite well, I thought, personally, um, playing in that sort of upper sort of left wing position away from his usual midfield spot. Um, I would strongly suspect um, that will be a, a rare occurrence. Um, but I mean, Steve, I just want to sort of get your opinion on sort of Jones generally and um, obviously, you know, Klopp. <laughs> shared that Elliot's coming close to a full return to team training as well. And I just wanted to sort of get your thoughts on how you sort of feel the lineup could, you know, shape up in the near future. Yeah, I think Jones uh, coming back into the fold recently and, and Elliot hopefully on the horizon is a lot bigger than I think maybe some people might realise. Certainly, certainly not Liverpool fans. I think Liverpool fans recognise Elliot coming back into the team as quite a big thing because obviously he came in and, I, I love Gene Van Alden. He came back into the year. Elliot came into the team and we, did, we didn't really miss Gene Van Alden. It was nuts. Um, but yeah, Elliot coming in and Jones coming back in. And, you know, if they come back in um, with AFCON going on, it is going to relieve the stress on whoever's going to be playing in Salvador Mane's position. We've touched on it in a previous podcast um, where Harvey Elliott can sort of help out the right winger because, you know, he's played that role before. He knows what's expected. Whoever's there, he can sort of, you know, kind of work together because it's going to take more than one player to replace Salah. That's a matter of the fact. Someone's going to need to do a little bit more work because no one's going to be able to replace Salah with all due respect to whoever takes up the right wing role in the next couple of weeks. Um the same can be said on the left. Uh, Curtis Jones. Uh, anyone who's been following Curtis Jones knows that he, you know, at a younger level, he did play left wing. Uh, he plays mainly centre mid now. You know, maybe a bit further up the field. He can play everywhere. You know, he's a, a wonderful footballer, and I think he effectively does the same on the left hand side. Maybe a little bit less effectively with Harvey Elliott. Obviously, a bit more of a natural right winger. Uh, certainly, you know, in the recent past. Uh, Blackburn and stuff like that but I think Curtis Jones offers the same on the left hand side he will sort of help whoever's over there but if that's Jota with Firmino in the middle I don't really think there's going to be many issues there anyway but you know it, it's certainly going to help Jones come back into the forward kite it away Guinea you know that, that's not going to harm us in the slightest so yeah these two players coming back into the forward I think Liverpool fans recognise that it's going to be quite a big boost for us maybe rival fans might not realise just how much of a you know a big boost that is going to be um, for Jürgen Klopp going forward. I'm going to sort of slightly deviate um, from the topic. I'm sort of still sort of bearing in mind sort of the young talent we sort of have at our disposal 
um, but sort of more sort of focusing you know broadly on the likes of you know Jones, Elliot, Morton, uh, Cade, Gordon. I, I, you know, I was doing some doodling um, earlier in the day, just sort of hypothetically using sort of if we say Salah is going to extend his contract until 2025 and we're looking at sort of what the landscape of this team, uh, barring any sort of signings, might look like in terms of what we've currently got available and we're considering the likes, as I said, uh, Gordon, Jones, Morton, uh, Elliot, um, Canate, Beck, those sort of kind of talents. Um, I believe I believe by the point of the summer of 2025, I think Gordon's going to be 20, uh, Elliot's going to be 21, Morton's going to be 22, James is going to be 24. Um, given the, the sort of criticisms we've had of late of the midfield in particular, and it, it's quite interesting that the future of, of the midfield as things stand is looking rather bright. Obviously, that does rely on players fulfilling potential, so on and so forth. But if we're looking at sort of um, peak ages, you know, it, it's not... I mean, it's not as sort of frightening as perhaps some might, might have been led to believe. And Nick, I just want to get your thoughts and sort of what your general perceptions are in terms of that sort of looking particularly perhaps more the midfield. Um, what, your, what your general perceptions are on the future of it? Uh, yeah, I think like like Steve said, like Curtis Jones, I think he's a bit of a victim of his own, like we said about players being versatile, I think he's a bit of a victim of his own versatility and is willing to be versatile, I think, sometimes because he's, what has he just turned 20, I think, uh, last month, so he's still really, really young and I think people compare him to the likes of like Phil Foden and Saka who, feel like Phil Foden's a freak of nature, he's like, <laughs> he's just unbelievably good and I think Saka has got quite a defined role as a, as a on the right of the three, whereas Look at Curtis Jones, like Steve said, he's, he's played on the left of a three before, he's played in midfield, he could probably play false nine. It's trying to figure out what's best for him and what, what position will benefit him and us mostly going forward. And I think that's the key thing, really. And like you said, it, 2025, once we get to that stage, and if Curtis Jones is 24, if there's the questions then, then, then we've got a problem. But I think at the moment, we're still trying to define his role, as, I guess. And I think in the Shrewsbury game, like, I did think he'd done well, and I think, but then there was times where Klopp was pretty much having a go at him to say, like, make sure you're not losing the ball. If you want to drop into those little pockets in, in the six, just in front of the back, in front of the back two, then you need to be make sure you're not not losing it. Because I think he did do that once and put it in, in put us in a quite a bit of trouble. So there's little things like that where he's 20. Like we need to realise that he's going to have games where he's really good. He's going to be sketchy at times and there's going to be times he loses the ball. He's going to try stuff. The thing that I like about him, he picks the ball up and he runs forwards. He's always looking for one-twos. He's always looking for little triangles. He's always making a forward pass. And I think that's one thing we've always had criticism over the in the past about our midfield, that it's quite rigid and the fullbacks are our, our attacking intent along with the full, Salah Romane. So the fact that we've got someone in, like Curtis Jones in there who can get stuck in. Uh, Scouser, local lad, knows what it means to, to wear the badge, but he's also got, he's got a bit of agility, he's got a bit of pace, he's got an eye for his shots, he's got a, a pass on him. There's things like that that he will fine-tune as long, as long as he stays in the first team and, and he gets he gets those minutes, like Harvey Elliott, like he's going to be another one who we've seen how good he is, like starting over the likes of um, I think he's Henderson in the game against Burnley I think Henderson got shoehorned out onto the left centre mid because Harvey Elliott was right centre mid and I think that that doesn't tell you something then and um, it's it's crazy because like that's how that's how good I think Jürgen Klopp sees him that he he's, he can be like those little triangles with with um, Harvey Elliott and Trent and Salah 
that was like working wonders in, in those first couple of games. And, and I think we'd get a lot of joy over that side with him over the coming years because he's he's absolutely terrific. But in terms of midfield, then like generally, like obviously we lost Wijnaldum. I think he was at the club for five years. He'd learned that Klopp role down to a T. And the fact that we didn't replace him, I think we were all disappointed by that, truthfully, that we didn't kind of replace that body. But then obviously we got Harvey Elliott in, so it was kind of like, well, we've lost him, but then we've gained a slightly more attacking midfielder. And I think that couple with Thiago, who, like Curtis Jones, does like to get forward, likes to make forward passes, always forward passes. I think I've seen a graphic, like might have been last couple of weeks, where Curtis Jones on the metrics in terms of forward passing is like one of the best under 23s in the league. So it's like, or in Europe, maybe. So I think it's little things like that where you maybe don't see how good he is um, if he's not having a great game, but he's always trying the right things. And I think that's something that we need to praise and I think Klopp does do that like I think same with like Connor Bradley like he's done an interview saying that Klopp's always saying to him be brave on the ball don't be worried if you lose just be brave and and keep trying the, the right things that you're doing in training I think Curtis Jones if he keeps doing the right things and, and then get <laughs> stops doing the wrong things maybe losing the ball and um, not, maybe not overplaying it then we'll start to see the best of him as well and it's just keep, keeping the faith in him I think I mean, that's, I mean, it's one of the many sort of wonderful things about Klopp. You always get the impression it's never, it, there's always that willingness to sort of give chances. Um, you know, and I, mean, I think the thing that personally always baffles me um, about Jones in terms of sort of how people sort of perceive him online, you always get the impression that people forget, you know, as you say, he is 20 years old. And he's almost discussed, you know, like he's 27, 28, you know, like he should be hitting those sort of peak crucial years at the club. But the reality of the matter is that he's not even close. You know, if, if we're going off of, um, to quote an athletic piece, um, sort of looking specifically investigating sort of peak ages, uh, written by uh, Kiva O'Neill and Mark Carey, um, you know, central midfielders, according to their research, should peak between 24 uh, and the age, 20 ages of 24 and 26. Um, obviously, you know, with the, with the miracles that is sports science, you know, that age, you tend to think uh, goes a sort of bit beyond that into, you know, 27, 28, you know, we've got midfield, you look at sort of Tiago and you look at sort of his importance to the simple side, there, you know, there's plenty of statistics about there, particularly when you look at sort of the winning percentages, um, just having him in the side and having him in the side alongside Fabinho. Um, but if you're just sort of considering that, you know, that study there, you know, he's he's miles, he's miles off his peak. You know, he, he's getting regular minutes in in a Jurgen Klopp side uh, when he's when he's fit, when he's available, and he's firing, which is, you know, fantastic to see. And obviously, you know, the the world is his oyster uh, theoretically should he reach his potential. Um, but going going back to sort of the forward line and to and to Cade Gordon, I mean, the lad's seventeen, so we, we shouldn't be quick to sort of make any suggestions about him being a, you know, a Mo Salah replacement, you know, that's, that's a huge amount of pressure to put on um, someone specifically when we're talking about uh, who many perceive to be the world's best player right now uh, on current form and rightly so. Um, but uh, I mean, it, it interests me personally, because I feel like, you know, as you rightly mentioned, Mick, you know, with Harvey Elliott, you know, Klopp was willing to give him that chance, surprised many by starting him in those, you know, opening few games when he's 18 years old. Kay Gordon will turn 18 um, this coming October. Um, I mean, Steve, do you sort of perceive, perceive a familiar, like a, a similar trajectory uh, for Kay Gordon? Also bearing in mind, of course, he is, he does have that versatility in his locker. He can also play left wing. He's not just purely rooted in that, Oh, so difficult spot of the right wing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's probably a, 
I don't, yeah, there probably isn't a better manager to have for that to happen, to be honest. Uh, certainly at a top club, you know, Jürgen is willing willing to give anyone a chance. We've seen it with Trent, we've seen it with Jones. You rightly say there, we've seen it with Elliot. I think, um, like you say, that versatility, which, you know, as Mick said with, with Jones, that might have actually been slightly a bit of a downfall for Jones, that versatility, because he can play everywhere, but he hasn't locked down a position. But Kay Gordon does have a little bit of versatility about him. And as far as we know, you know, right wing is where he's going to play. But based on his finish, you could see him as a centre forward. We don't know where he's going to end up being. I mean, obviously, he's got the dribbling ability, the technical ability, the pace. You know, he's got all that there. He's, he's clearly got a little bit of magic about him. So, you know, the wing is naturally where I expect him to, you know, be going forward. But he could play anywhere across that front line. I mean, with the right support, you know, he clearly knows how to get into the right areas. So, yeah, I mean, will he get chances? I think I think he will get chances. Um, I think if, if we were to continue in the, in the FA Cup, um, I think, you know, there's, there's a good... There's a good opportunity there for him to get some games. I don't really see him throwing him in the deep end in the Premier League too much. I think he will continue with the unders. Uh, but that shouldn't really be too much of a surprise. Uh, it wouldn't be uh, a big shock. Uh, you, you used Elias as an example there. I think that's a great example. We could see him maybe go out to a championship team alone, but we are talking maybe in a year from now. Uh, maybe we can send him back to his to his former club. I'm sure they'd be welcome with open arms. Um, so, you know, that. Like you said about Curtis Jones, you know, the world, uh, theoretically, is his oyster. Um, he's a very talented player for his age. He stands out, you know, beyond belief for his age. So if he keeps going the way he is, which seems to be a similar trajectory as Harvey Elliott, no doubt he'll get chances in the team. Um, you know, and, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of an opening on that side as well, if you think about it. I mean, if he really pushes himself so far, so good with him, there is that spot that Shakiri occupied in the team where maybe, but as, as as you said yourself, you don't want to put too much pressure on the young lad. He is still very young development. He's probably going to spend 99% of the, the season with the unders. So let him crack on with that. But I think we've got a right gem in uh, in Kate Gordon. And as you've mentioned there, he's, he's, um, he's not alone. We've got a few. Uh, the loan spell... Um speaking specifically, of course, about Harvey Elliott's time with the Blackburn Rovers. Um, it's certainly sort of an interesting option given how you know, much of a, you know, a success it proved to be uh, with Harvey Elliott in, in terms of giving him that, uh, that confidence boost, that experience, and then you know, really that platform to launch himself, and launch himself into this season. Um, sadly, before that, uh, ankle injury uh, cut short his uh, season. Um, but mo- mo- moving ahead sort of to Arsenal, it, it would appear certainly, despite uh, Mikel Arteta's concerns that the tie, the Carabao Cup semi-final tie at Anfield will go ahead at quarter to eight uh, this evening, thankfully. Um, I mean, just to sort of recap on our prior meeting, of course, uh, we blew them away 4-0 in the league uh, with a little bit of help from the crowd after that uh, infamous spat between Arteta and Klopp on the touchline. Um, I mean, Mick, I, I would imagine that uh, Mikel will be a bit more hesitant to get involved in any sort of uh, touchline arguments with Klopp, given his prior experience, which could certainly uh, add, a, add a further challenge to the tie. But um, are you sort of expecting another sort of similar blowout to Anfield or sort of a bit more of a uh, cautious, cagey affair? I hope it's the same. I hope it's the exact same. But I, I, like you said, I think he'll be very wary of uh, any touchline <laughs> antics after, after the last one. Uh, I think Klopp tried to downplay it, but that wasn't the catalyst, but it, it kind of did all 
explode after that happened because the, then the crowd got up, the players got up as a result of that. And that was just lovely. That was the, the whole domino effect was just glorious to watch because I think at that point they were kind of, they'd won quite a few games, hadn't they? But they were kind of not maybe teams they should have beat. So they came to downfield thinking we can beat these. And then the fact that we, we dispatched them in the way we did was just, yeah, amazing to see. But I think like tonight, we're, obviously we're missing a few. I think they're missing a few. Obviously, Bami Hang isn't, isn't playing. They're missing part. Thomas Partey, El Nenny, there's Pepe. Um, who have you got? You've got Jacka as well, I think, that isn't isn't playing. So there's there's a few there. Smith Rowe and as well, Tom Yassium as well, I think. So it's quite a few players there that they're, they're missing. So it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's difficult to gauge, I suppose, because we don't know whereas in the last game we're pretty much full strength against full strength. So you can kind of you know what to expect from a Liverpool team at home coming up against a, a good Arsenal side who are in form, but this one obviously semi-final semi of, a, of a cup first leg. We want to go there and go to downfield and make a statement. So, like I said, we're touching on Jota and Firmino. There's still a load of load of quality in there, which we can hopefully show tonight. But yeah, I'll take I'll take another uh, I'll take another four nil. Hopefully, you've gone right through my notes there with the, the injury list. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, sorry, yeah, no. um, but as, as things certainly stand, you're, you're, as you rightly point out, I think um, Lukonga remains uh, their only sort of fit senior midfield option as you rightly pointed out uh, Granit Xhaka of course will be out with COVID-19 we wish him a speedy recovery um, Emil Smith-Rowe and uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu are doubts and of course uh, Thomas Partey uh, Mohamed uh, Elnani uh, Pepe and Pierre-Marc Aubameyang are all out at the African Cup of Nations um, it, it's interesting you mention sort of their run prior to that fauna win uh, of ours at Anfield because you know they've not been on a bad one again this time around they've won four out of the five of their last uh, Premier League games but they are sort of coming back off of two defeats uh, obviously the 2-1 defeat to Manchester City uh, and the 1-0 defeat to Nottingham Forest in the Cup um, Steve uh, do, you, do you think this will affect how they sort of approach this tie? Um, I mean no, to be honest, I think I think um, I think the plan to face Liverpool at Anfield probably doesn't change much um, based on your recent results. It's always going to be probably one of you know, if not the biggest fixture in the calendar. You know, there's a trophy on the line as well. Um, you know, the, the salivating possibility for them to have a London final. Um, so I mean, there's there's all these things going on. Um, I think. I think Michael Arteta, he's you know he's been in the hot seat for a bit of, a bit of time now, and with all due respect to him, um, I think he's probably learned quite a bit over the last few months. Um, you know the, the pressure at Arsenal is, is obviously great, and um, it's been particularly great recently. Um, but you know, he, he, make no mistake, they had a good team. You know, I, I don't think anyone needs convincing that Arsenal have got a good squad. They just, you know, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a dead meme at this point, like a little bit. But they, they are a good team. They're not like, uh, you know, they're, they're a very good team. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to be a challenge for Liverpool. Um, I think they're going to probably approach it a little bit differently from what they did last time. You'd have to hope so if you're an Arsenal fan, otherwise they're going to get blown away again. Um, but ultimately, I'm not too worried. It will come down to a midfield battle. And as you both pointed out, they are missing a few key players in midfield. Um, obviously, we're missing a couple as well, but our situation is not as dire as it was a week ago. But um, yeah, 
I mean, it's going to be a midfield battle. I've, I've got no worries about our attackers. You know, we've got players who know where the back of the net is. I'm not particularly worried there. Um, the defence has been a bit flaky recently, but Liverpool tend to outscore opposition. You know, um, yeah, I'm not particularly worried. I don't think Arsenal are going to be approaching it too differently, but I think Mikel Arteta will have learned a few things from last time. You know, like he's both say, I don't see him uh, trying to start up McClop again this time because he knows he'll just kick off like 40,000 scousers and that's not what he wants, you know what I mean? Uh, so we've had sort of the likely sort of team news on Arsenal's side. Um, but I mean, Mick, who are you expecting Klopp to go with? We've had at least you know one confirmed sort of the expectation is that Alison Becker uh, will pop in for Kevin Kevin Callagher uh, despite his strong performances of late in the cup um, just sort of getting back up to speed uh, with obviously the delays in sort of COVID um, who, who else are you sort of expecting to see in that first 11? Uh, yeah I think Klopp kind of to confirm it's going to be um, Alison I mean he said like it's Kevin's competition but it, it, it is important to get out, give Ali a game the fact that he's been out and stuff I think Trent's back as well isn't he so I'd be surprised if Trent doesn't play to be honest um, and then you've got obviously I think it was Canate Van Dijk in the last game wasn't it I wouldn't mind seeing that again to be honest um, that would be good maybe maybe Simicas left back maybe uh, then you've got Fabinho you've got Hendo I think Ox is still available isn't he so it's either Ox or Jones I suppose on that on that left and then it's just the, the up top really because I think pretty much all of that is it is quite easy to pick, but it's the, it's the front three where obviously we're missing the two big fellas and Salah and Mane, where you're kind of thinking, what what's he going to do there? Obviously, we, don't, we haven't got Origi. Um, so we, um, Firmino up top, maybe Jotted on the left and then uh, Tachi on the right. I don't know. That could be the way he goes. Maybe Tachi, Tachi on the on the left or right and then um, same with Jota I suppose they're interchangeable anyway on either either flank and then Bobby just drops into the into the hole and, and, and builds up play hopefully I think that's as pretty much as we, good as we can get obviously missing the Rigi missing missing Salah missing Mane missing Thiago still which is like you said before Farrell like a, that's a huge blow considering how how good we are when he's when he's on the pitch Thiago it's just it's, it's just unfortunate that his legs are made of wafers, it seems like, which is, I mean, we can't do anything about that. But when he's on the field, he's great and, and he's one of my favourite players, but it's just trying to get him on the field, that's the thing. But yeah, I think something along those lines is is good enough. And like 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 Steve said, that that we should be good enough to, to, to beat them, especially with the list of players that they've got out. And, and you can see why Arsenal fans are annoyed because this one's going ahead because they are missing a lot, a lot of players there, to be fair. No, it's, it's unfortunate with Tiago, and it's sadly as, as Liverpool fans, you know, it's a reality that we're sort of all too familiar with at times. Um, I mean, Steve, any changes you'd make to that eleven? Any surprises you go with? Could you see there being a start for Kate Gordon? <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to say yes, but I think the calibre of the opposition and the stage of the tournament, I think Klopp's got to go pretty strong at this point. Um, I'd name the exact team that Mick just said there. I think. Van Dijk and Canate, yeah, that's 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 pretty solid. I'd like to see that again myself. Trent's back into the mix, Simicas. I won't go through the whole team again, like, but I think that left side of midfield spot, I think that's going to be Curtis Jones. He's recently played, obviously, in the other competition. Um, but um, I know it's been a number of years now, and I don't doubt his professionalism, but it's still going to be quite an emotional fixture for uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So... 
you know, something, there's just some gut feeling there that I would throw Jones in. Obviously, Klopp's going to know the players a hell of a lot better than me. And, you know, Ox is probably over that sort of, you know, romantic feelings that he's got for, for Arsenal to some degree. I know, I don't, I don't doubt his professionalism. But for me, I'd just throw Jones in the mix. But, I, you know, I love Curtis Jones. You love, you love to see a local lad smashing it. He has been doing that of late and he was impressive in the last out. And I want to see him, I want to see him do well. I want to see him further prove why he deserves that 17 shares and to be, to be in that Liverpool team. He's, you know, a bit like Trent, you know, as a lot of local lads feel like he's sort of like the fan on pitch for them and stuff. And it's one of them things that happens at every club. You love to see the local lads to, to succeed. And yeah, I want to see Jones do that. Up front, yeah, I think Mick's right. I think it's going to be tacky. Uh, filling that third role there, I think um, Jota and, and hopefully Firmino is good to go from the start, pick the other places. But I think Tacky's been really sharp uh, since he's came back from Southampton. He's looked Quite. I mean, before Andy had shown splashes of the player that we know that he is, uh, but we've not really seen it consistently enough. Fair enough, he wasn't able to string together too many games because of the competition at the club. You know, Shaqiri stuck around perhaps a little bit longer than was planned, so we lost a bit of game time there. But Taki's been really promising, and a front three of Jota, Minamino and um, Firmino, I've, I've got no worries, don't get me wrong, throw Salah and Mane into that mix. That's beautiful. But those three players that I just mentioned there should be more than good enough, especially against, you know, a weakened Arsenal side. And it is a shame and it's, you know, it is very unfortunate from a Liverpool perspective to look at it and go, you know, we had it postponed. But, you know, we can't help these things, you know, and just to any Arsenal fans that might be listening, don't worry. When we beat, yeah, we would rather that it would be a full, full strength team and not this injured team. We always want to play full-strength teams. You never want to play on injuries and, and stuff like that. So it's a shame, and obviously the players that are injured and sick, hopefully they'll be back at it soon. I get the sense there, uh, Steve, you're feeling uh, reasonably confident uh, about this one. Whilst I have you, I'm going to uh, get, get a score off you. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't think it's going to be another 4 hour. I think this game will be a little bit more, uh, you know... Heart in your mouth. Uh, Arsenal are going to be bang up for it. You know, this is an achievable piece of silverware for all the teams left. You know, four great teams. You know, fair enough. But um, yeah, I, I can see them scoring. It's it's one of them. It wouldn't surprise me if they scored first. The small teams tend to score first at Anfield. Um, another little dig there for Arsenal. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I'll go for um, I'll, I'll respectfully go for three one but it will feel like 2-1. Well, would you agree with that, Mick? I'm going to go for 4-1. I think I, I do agree with Steve that um, they'll score, but I just feel like, with, like we just touched on how many people have got out. We, we are much better in a much better position in terms of proper solid first team is there to, to call upon to, to get the game sorted. And, and like you said, Farrell, I would love to, I would absolutely love to see Kate Gordon thrown in there. That would absolutely... I'd be made up, but I just can't see it at this point. Maybe he was on the bench and we're and we're and we're three and a lot. Throw him on, why not? Get let him get the force. But um, yeah, yeah, three one four one. I reckon, but yeah, I think odds on for us to definitely can see one. I think. No, there's there's a compelling sort of case um, to, to obviously, as you, as you both rightly pointed out, to put out as a strong a team as as possible, and obviously as brilliant as Gordon was in the um, FA Cup game against Shrewsbury Town. You know. It, it, there would be reason for him to potentially, you know, be on the bench. Um, I, I, I've, I've put him as, as starting, uh, so we'll, we'll soon see on that front. Um, 
But I, I'd, pro- I'd probably agree with, with Steve, and I'd go for like a, a more reduced scoreline. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll go between you lads, and I'll go for a forty, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, but you know, we we hope you've enjoyed this latest episode of the Red Nets podcast. Um, this has been Farrell Keeling, Steve Carson, and Mick Ryan. And take care, and let's hope for another thrilling victory. Hopefully a 4-0, but we'll see.